Welcome to the first episode of Elementor Talks, where I have insightful conversations with top experts in the field of WordPress web design. Today, I'm joined by Amir Heltzer, and we discuss, among other topics, how to leverage your website creation business. Hi, Elementors. Today, I am happy to interview Amir Herzer, who is the CEO of On The Go Systems, the company behind two highly successful and unique of its kind WordPress products, WPML and Toolset. And today, I want to focus more on Toolset and talk a bit with Amir about the upcoming integration as well as other related issues. So let's start, Amir. First of all, hello. Hi, everyone. How are you today? Great. Thank you. Uh, Amir, I'd love uh, for you to tell us a bit about yourself, about Toolset, and about its target audience. Sure. So I started on the Go Systems about 10 years ago. Our first product was WPML. And about two, two, three years after we started with WPML, we looked for what else we can add to our clients, and we started building Toolset. And it's been going since then. Toolset came because Uh, of our history, the way we started with WordPress. We didn't really start with WordPress. We went into WordPress because we were looking to translate sites. This is how we came with WPML and we came into this through Drupal, Drupal CMS. At that time, Drupal had a multilingual module and WordPress didn't really have something like that. We created WPML with the same architecture as the Drupal I18N module. And it's grown since then, but this is what we learned as a This is how we want to build a plugin. And uh, from Drupal, we got a lot of inspiration from the, uh, at that time, CCK and Views modules. And we thought that it would be very nice to have something like this also for WordPress. Uh, this is how Toolset was born. Toolset actually started as uh, Types and Views, which were our parallels for the Drupal CCK and Views modules. CCK is the Content Creation Kit. And can okay. you share a bit more about like, what it does, about uh, who, who is the typical user that uses th- that functionality? Sure. Toolset today allows non-programmers to build more advanced sites. It has several elements, types, which uh, a lot of people know, uh, lets you create custom content types, custom fields, taxonomies, and connect them together. Views is... Uh, a a big query builder. It lets you fetch content from the database and display it on the front end any way you want. And maybe we can look at uh, more examples later, but this is in a nutshell what Views does. It allows you to not write PHP in order to display content, like for instance, not, not have to write WP queries and then loops that go through them. We have also a forms element in Toolset which allows to create forms for submitting and editing content. It's not really optimized to work as a contact form plugin, but it's great when you're building interactive sites where visitors or members need to submit content and edit their content. User-generated and, content. Yes, exactly. And finally, we have access, which controls access to the site, both to the admin and to front-end pages. So together, when you put all these elements to work for one site, you could build more advanced brochure sites, or you could build listing sites, classified sites, membership sites, sites with uh, geographic searches. We have a lot of clients who build real estate sites, all sorts of uh, club sites, things like that. Mm-hmm. And can you share uh, one success story about someone who created these sort of one-page websites? And we're able to leverage their business using toolset? 
I talk once a week. I have talks with uh, our clients to get to know them a little better. And there was one call that I did with a lady from the US a few weeks ago, which was super inspiring for me. She lives in the East Coast uh, in the US. She works from home from a small town. Uh, she has no experience uh, in programming. She never uh, learned how to code. She doesn't do any marketing for herself. And she has a very long waiting list of clients who are looking to get uh, work from her. She learned how to create uh, listing sites, directories, very efficiently. Uh, she uses mainly toolset, where she uses simple themes and simple plugins. By doing this, she becomes impossible to compete with. She's winning projects from fairly large uh, web agencies who are in the area. And she has somehow magically manages to do them at a fraction of the time and the effort and doing, do them exactly. So people just, I think uh, it passed as a word of mouth from one person to another, that if you want to have a successful uh, listing site, you contact her. And she turned this into a marketing vehicle because each listing site also gives her huge exposure to all the listings. Uh, one site exposes her to maybe a hundred different clients in, in this area. And she just grows organically without any sort of marketing. That was a very, very inspiring uh, story that I heard. That's amazing. And the ability to take this sort of client on board, someone who doesn't have a lot of coding experience, that's something that we also try to do in Elementor. And I think you've done it amazingly well. What are the biggest challenges that you faced for the first few years after Toolset launched? And how did it change? What are the challenges uh, today? So at the beginning, it's always hard uh, to get the word out and to explain what you're doing. I think in every, in every market, it's like this. Specifically for us, it was to get people to use the terminology to understand that what we're doing is something that they actually need. Basically, we built the category, developing more advanced sites without programming. And then when the category was already there, we were very happy to see more players there because well, it means that people understand that they need what you have. Now our biggest challenge, like I think a lot of most established uh, companies, is to scale things up. At the beginning, we had maybe two developers working on Toolset and they were giving support also to the few clients that we had so that the developers knew exactly what the clients need. And it was like a hand in glove. Uh, something didn't work, we fixed it right away. We understood what exactly they need and it evolved quickly. But now the team is bigger. We have uh, developers, we have supporters, we have people who are doing technical writing and it's a lot harder to get everyone on the same page. So we want to make sure that uh, supporters don't just patch things up, but they explain exactly what's wrong and we can handle it properly. When we have uh, requests for all sorts of compatibility work to understand it and to prioritize this, it's even challenging to make sure that all the supporters know exactly what you have now and what's coming. If you don't do this well, and not always we did that properly, then supporters keep apologizing about features that we already implemented. When it's more than two or three people, this management and coordination, I think, needs attention. That's interesting because this is something you share with your client. Because if you're a designer, you're also going to use external developers or content writers. You're going to have to work remote. And I know a lot of your team works remote. Can you share a few insights with the challenges of 
working with remote, whether it's employees or freelancers, and how you specifically manage to make it work? Well, so first of all, it needs to start with the hiring process. If you hire people who want to work remotely and they can manage themselves a large part of the day, then you're off to a good start. And then we learned that we need to set up uh, processes which allow people to work remotely, um, not feel alone, feel connected, not, not feel like uh, something is happening and they don't know about it, and yet not to cause excessive noise. We're going between these two extremes. There are some developers who want to have a complete quiet, have their tasks, work on them eight, nine hours a day, finish at the afternoon and go off. Other developers, they're a lot more chatty. They want to think together with other people, like to have a, like a cooler to get together next to it or a, a coffee corner. They don't like being alone and they don't like the quiet. And it's important that people find their like soulmates and can walk the way they like. So that if we have an open channel uh, on Slack, for instance, then it doesn't become a huge disturbance for people who want some quiet time. But still, people who want to ask advice, it, it's not complete silence for them. So it looks like everyone is ignoring them. We needed to, to understand that not everyone's the same and to accommodate so that people who want this kind of work style can find it and the other people who want to have a more social environment can get that also. So you develop a different process for different uh, employees. Well, it's just important for everyone to know the preferences of others and to, to set up expectations correctly. Uh, our process is that every team has a daily meeting at their morning where everyone needs to show up. We have flexible working hours, but at the sync meeting at the morning, everyone just needs to show up, everyone in the team, because otherwise it's complete chaos. Then there are processes for how to do code review, uh, how to resolve issues, how to do all of this. But still, we know that different people are, are different. So this, people just learned over time what they can expect of everyone, and now they get along just fine. And do you combine between the different departments? Like, how do you get support talking to the developers and uh, that feedback loop? So on these daily sync meetings, uh, the first person to get the microphone is the support team leader. And he comes to this meeting after he had a chance to review the support queue and he knows what's interesting today. And sometimes he would highlight... Um, a new compatibility issue. Sometimes he would highlight just a recurring bug that we need to get rid of really quickly. Sometimes he just has a general request from the development team that uh, it's not really a bug, but even last week we had uh, too many support requests. And one person from the development team had to join our system team and update our support system a little bit to make it easier to find uh, all their issues. So this is every day in the morning, support comes first and we make sure that developers always prioritize what comes from clients. Mm -hmm. And how do you prioritize in terms of, you know, here in Edamator, we get tons of feedback and feature requests. Some are really viable and, and important. Others are, you know, more niche and not a good fit for all users. So how do you decide which features to put the focus on and develop? So first, I guess it's, it's a good place to be, right? It's a lot nicer than complete silence. Nobody needs anything. 
I, I get this all the day, like at least 12 hours a day. I get these feature requests and uh, urgent suggestions. I learned that typically the requests which uh, have a higher volume or not, not amount, but they're louder, things which are like in all caps and super urgent, these ones typically I need to put aside. Uh, typically when someone writes in all caps, it's because he didn't think it's so. So these ones actually get the lower priority. And then I try to make my decisions about changes in our priorities after the weekend. Because at the time, when, when everything, when it comes, it all looks urgent. And if we make everything urgent, it means that nothing is really important. So I let it sit. I take notes. I do my best to let it sit and not take on-the-spot decisions. And then I relax in the weekend. I come fresh at the beginning of the week. I go through them. And now it's a lot easier to see what really takes, uh, takes precedence. I'm sure this is the same uh, insight that is important for someone who creates websites because managing clients is also a kind of a, a big challenge. Yes, in a, I guess in a, probably in a lower scale. People, yeah, everyone who works with clients gets feature requests. We, because of our scale, we probably get more feature requests. Of course. And yeah. I want to get back to talking more about toolset. So still today, I think the bigger clients are still a, a bit hesitant about using, you know, using WordPress, using toolset to design projects that are beyond the one-page websites. So why do you think we see that in term, it doesn't make much sense in terms of the cost effectiveness? Why do they still turn, do you think, to the custom coded and the more costly solutions? The, the term I learned about this some 30 years ago was not invented here. That's a general problem for developers to be able to use something that they don't feel that they have 100% control over. The initial instinct is, well, I don't trust them. I don't know exactly how their code works. Maybe it has bugs. Maybe it has security problems. Maybe it has a lot of stuff that I don't need. And maybe it would be better for me to develop it myself. And in some cases, it's right. If you take poorly designed code, which nobody reviews properly, nobody tests properly, maybe that's the case. But actually, WordPress doesn't have pretty good mechanisms for people to find this kind of code. Plugins that come from the WordPress repository have a rating, like products on Amazon have a rating. So if you need a dining table, then, well, you can buy some wood and create it yourself, or you can go to the shop and get a dining table. Uh, so it really depends on how you want to use your time. I, for myself, I would love to have the time to build tables, but I don't. If I spend my time building tables, I'm not going to spend my time doing what I need to do. Maybe as a if, hobby. Yeah. Well, if it's a hobby, then go for it. My kids are learning WordPress now. Uh, they're finishing high school and they're looking for a job in the summer. And I encourage them to do everything themselves because they need to learn. So it's a learning experience for them. They need to learn how to code. But then, even if you're a very good coder, does it really make sense to reinvent the wheel to do exactly what someone else already developed and tested and is supporting? Maybe you should spend your time doing things that our plugins are not going to do. In every project that you're going to do, you're going to have some sort of, of your development. It doesn't have to be in PHP, it doesn't have to be in JavaScript, but you're going to do something. So maybe it doesn't make sense for you to do everything. Maybe you'll get a lot more done if you'll use tools that do 80%, 90% of the work and you do just the rest. It depends yeah. on what you want to do. 
if you think of the human history, I think throughout history, all the development have been made one on top of the other. You think, you know, first there was agriculture, then technology is something that is uh, built upon prior technologies. Of course. So we use only a few plugins on our sites. And I think maybe an SEO plugin is a good example because really an SEO plugin sets the metadata for pages in archives and it creates a sitemap. I bet that our developers can write this but it's already written and it works and it gets tested and people are supporting it. So why would we want to do something like this? Then we will have one less plugin in our admin, but we will have exactly the same amount of code that we developed. Why would we want to do something like that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you mentioned listing sites and I know Toolset has a ton of solutions for listings and, and directories and shop. What are you seeing is the most accepted, most used feature in this really gigantic plugin? So for listing sites, the beauty is that it's not really one feature. To have a functional listing site, you need to have a combination of features and they need to work together smoothly. And this is the, the great appeal of Toolset. This is when I interview clients, this is the thing that I hear in every conversation. For these kind of sites, they know that they need to put together several big elements and they love it when everything just works in toolset. So a typical listing site would have uh, custom types and fields and they will almost always have uh, relationships between different posts. So if you have a real estate site, you'll have the listings and the agents. And obviously they're connected. An agent has listings and uh, listings belong to an agent. So they're most obviously connected and there are more relationships like this. Um, then any listing site needs to have a search, which Toolset does very well. Uh, a lot of listing sites need to display data on, uh, on maps and we do that. And normal listing sites will also need to have uh, content submission forms. So an agent needs to be able to update his listing and it's very good that he can do this from front-end forms and not go to the WordPress admin. And you need access control. So the agent sees his listings in one way. Visitors see it in a different way. And maybe non-registered visitors see it only as teasers. So they have incentive to register. And Toolset has all these elements. And all of them have grown because since the beginning, listing sites have been fairly popular with us. And we've learned about the little features that clients need in order to really build production sites. And over time, we added them. You've had a lot of experience with these kind of sites. So what makes a successful listing site? Like what are the key factors that you, when you see a site, you say, okay, this is going to be a success? I think the most important feature of a listing site is that it will do what the business needs. It doesn't just come out of a template and you squeeze the business into what the template offers. It's the other way around. The developer sits with the client, understands exactly what this client needs exactly, and then implements it for him. So it has the workflow and it has the presentations and it has the automations that the client needs. And this makes it successful because a listing site is part of the operation of the business. It's not a business card anymore. A brochure site, if you're a, law a lawyer and you have a website for your law office, then your website is like a big business card, okay? You don't go and take legal action through the website, typically. It makes a lawyer look, uh, look professional and you contact the company. A listing site, it already does something, okay? It's part of the r running of the business. 
And it's very difficult for the client to compromise here because if the client would need to pay another $30,000 and have it exactly as he needs, that's a good decision for him. So if the developer chooses to save $200 on a tool and then it limits him on what we can do, then it's not a good deal for the client. And obviously the other important factor in, a, in, a, in, that, in this kind of site is that it's reliable because it becomes part of the business. And it's really unfortunate when this site goes down for even for a short amount of time. So yeah. if this site will glue together too many elements from too many sources and they're not developed and tested in sync, then once in a while an update will come along and things will break. And this makes the business very difficult to run. So I would say a, a great listing site needs to do exactly what it was meant for and never break. Yeah, and another insight here is that I think web professionals that create websites for a living, they normally think of questions like, how can I get more traffic? How can I make more of these websites? If they skew a bit and think about how can I make, a like you said, a listing site that is usually done by a developer and costs tens of thousands of dollars, they can stay with the amount of work and the amount of time they spend on each project make a lot more for each project because so few design, they'll also have less competition. It's just a commodity. I completely agree with this. If you move a little bit out of commodity area, then it's a lot easier for you to make a name for yourself. And exactly like this lady that I talked with, she doesn't compete with anyone and she doesn't need to sell to anyone. People know her because she has an excellent track record and they just keep coming for that. Well, this is, I think, a, a good transition to introduce your upcoming uh, views and the uh, integration with Elementor. So can you say a few words about that? We remember how this happened. So we talked about this between ourselves, but what really pushed it is when our clients, our common clients, saw us chatting together in a conference in Tel Aviv. And they came to me and they came to you, I think, and to Ariel. I saw them coming to Ariel. And they explained to us in their own words why they need this. And when the decision makers hear their clients asking them for something and way more than one client, you understand it better. And this is exactly the experience that we had. Realistically, Elementor and tools that I think complete each other very well. Elementor gives very, very convenient design experience. Everyone looking at Elementor for the first time says like, wow, great. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when our designers start using Elementor, they would not need to go through Photoshop and break their design into CSS. Is this more or less correct? Even if they do, it, it simplifies how much they work in Photoshop, yeah, definitely. Right. So a designer can get a lot done through Elementor and in, in a few hours have his design on the web responsive, which is excellent, really excellent. Toolset doesn't have any sort of design features. It allows you to enter your design into the tool, but then it allows you to do more of the backend functionality, to set up elements, to set up custom elements in the admin, to create queries, to create loops, to create conditions, to set access limits, to have these forms for content manipulation. None of this has to do anything with design. Actually, when we created a test site with Elementor and Toolset, then we thought that it's going to take a week this is what we're used to. We take two new tools, we set up some dummy data, and we said, okay, it's gonna take maybe 
two or three days to learn how to use Elementor and a couple of other days to figure out how to connect everything together. But Maren, you talked with her. She started this on Wednesday. And on Thursday afternoon, I got the email with everything working. So I think this exactly shows the value here. We wanted to do a pretty complex site which showcases everything, everything that you've added into Elementor Pro for the templates and archives and everything that we added with views to that. And it just works. Wednesday they started, Thursday it's finished. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's going to become like one of those power packs that you need the Elementor and you need toolset and you have those combo, you can create anything and much less plugins, much less hassle. The future is, uh, looks bright in, in that department. Speaking of, how do you see the future of WordPress in the next two years, maybe five years? And how will toolset be part of this future? I think that more businesses today, they understand that the website needs to work for them. Like we said, it's not exactly just a big business card printed from both sides. It's something that can help them with their automations. It can just do work that a human doesn't need to do. So if we see this today in real estate sites, you want to find a listing, you don't need to have an agent go search for you and email you the results every day. There's no sense. So listing sites or real estate sites today, they're a great example for how website grows from just presenting something to being part of the business's workflow. This is what we know happens already in WordPress. Before WordPress was just a blog, but this was years ago. And then WordPress successfully used WordPress to build pages and nice presentation sites, not only the blog section. And now naturally they're thinking to themselves, okay, how can this website I take some of my workload off. How can it automate stuff that I do today? And I, I don't think this is a prediction. We can see this happening already. The challenges here, how to integrate things. Because now you're talking about much bigger integrations and integrating between a lot more complex things. For instance, we're working also today with folks building the events plugin. So this is a fairly big integration and in order to look nice, to work nice, things need to be designed together. And we're doing this with Elementor. We're doing this with other big plugins. So I think really the, the challenge is for the, for the more popular things to work together, to work together nicely. Because it's otherwise, I don't see this happening. If a developer who builds a site gets an answer that says, well, this is a third-party plugin. We can't help you with this. You need to talk with them. And here's the exact same answer the other side. What is he supposed to do? He's stuck. And if this happens, he's probably going to turn away and say, I might as well code this from scratch. And there's no benefit to using WordPress. Because WordPress, the presentation part of it, is maybe 10% of the entire site. So if these two, three big elements don't work together, there's no benefit. I agree. I also think to complete this picture, I think that in the past, even though WordPress has already become very popular and has been popular for a lot of years now, I think there was a separation between the producers, the people who, developers, the people who knew the tools and the people actually that are using it, like site owners, entrepreneurs. I think there's, there's going to be a, a better combination, more involvement in the business process because you have Tools that, like you said, allow you to manage those, whether it's a listings or event, those complex websites in a more easy to grasp way without dealing with code. So I think this is direction like it's going to be 
I remember I had a conversation with hiring designer agency and she struggled with creating a website for employees and jobs and it was, you know, unfathomable for her to build it in WordPress because of that. And I think it's going to be a lot easier for those people to create those complex uh, websites. Well, I certainly hope it happens because if the business owner disconnects himself completely from the implementation, then what he wants is not going to get built. He needs to understand something about how it gets done. He doesn't need to be an, an expert PHP developer, but at least he needs to understand his options. Exactly, the, the processes and how it works. Yes. Okay, Amir, it was very insightful to interview you. I have a lot more subjects to talk about and we're going to post a lot more things regarding Elementor and Toolset integration in near future. So there's something to expect there. So I'd like to thank you for the time you spent and let's do another talk soon. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what we developed while running for clients. Definitely. Bye-bye, Ben. Bye, Amir.